Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Kind Parenting Company podcast. I'm Jackie Ward. And I'm Kylie Camps. Join us as we explore topics and share evidence-based information, all while honoring our commitment to kind parenting practices. This is a safe space for conversation and reflections on parenting and motherhood, designed to best support you in raising your little loves and to be the parent you want to be. We are so excited that you're here. Let's jump into today's episode. Today's podcast is an episode that you're not going to want to miss. This is a conversation with Shari Lyon from Belly to Birth, and I think it's possibly one of my most favorite conversations that I've had the pleasure of having on the podcast. Before I tell you a little bit more about Shari and what to expect during this episode, please allow me just a couple of minutes to introduce you to today's episode sponsor. And hand on my heart, this is a sponsor that I really, really believe in. And I think that you will absolutely fall in love with these products and find them really, really useful as well as beautiful. So you probably know that I'm a huge fan of journaling. And a couple of months ago, I received a PR parcel from Leanne Baker Journals. And when I opened this package, I was blown away with the journals, not because I don't know, not because I wasn't expecting them to be great. I wasn't expecting them at all. It was a PR parcel, but I was blown away with the craftsmanship, if that's the right word, of these journals, but also just the thoughtful curation of what's inside the journal. It just really, really spoke to me. And these journals and the ones I'm speaking specifically about are the Space For You parent-child journal um, because it's this beautiful linen-covered journal and you can get it in black, in a sage green or like a dusty pink as well. And it's a journal that is designed to really, really breed connection and conversation between parent and child and it really, really does. So we keep our space for you journals downstairs on a shelf near the kitchen bench And often when the boys are having afternoon tea or even if they're having dinner and I've finished eating and they're still going because they just eat at the rate of like a snail, I will bust the journal out and we'll use it as a conversation tool because in these parent-child journals, there are 45 prompts for children and 45 prompts for parents. And these prompts are just little thought provokers, conversation starters, the journal prompts, but they really do provide that gateway of conversation. There are questions in there like just digging for more information from your kids, basically. So I would say these are perfect for a primary school aged child, 
and upwards for as long as your kid will will do this with you. But something that my boys enjoy is hearing about me and my childhood. And these prompts give them the verbiage. They give them the dialogue to ask those questions and hear those stories. And kids love it. Kids light up hearing about their parents when they were the same age as they are now. And so it's a really, really nice I don't know, it's just like a nice thing to do. And I think in this day and age, getting kids away from screens and engaging in conversation is a really, really important skill to foster. And I love the impetus for these journals that Leanne has created. It was all because when her eldest son began school, she and him were sharing a notebook and writing notes to each other in it. And I did that with my mum when I was in high school. I think it's kind of one of those traditional parenting hacks, which can be really, really helpful for keeping the lines of communication open. So that is the Parent Child Space for You journal on leannebaker.com. And I do have a discount code, which I will share with you. But I also wanted to recommend that you jump over to the website and have a good look through the 2022 planners because they include six designs and I have screenshot the one that I am definitely ordering and it is by a local indigenous artist to Leanne and Leanne Baker really really prides herself on giving back so she has been able to donate over 70,000 to communities in need and the current focus for Leanne Baker is on domestic violence survivors. So they work alongside charities to get the products into the homes of those in need and just provide as much support as possible. And so I wanted to provide some support as well to Leanne Baker and just tell you these diaries, these planners, these journals are so beautiful. You know, when you pick up a journal and it just feels special, jump over and have a look at the covers. They have the thick pages, beautiful designs. Not only are, not only are there 2022 planners available, there are also daily layout planners. So if you love a hit list like I do, that could really, really help you get organized. Weekly layout planners, so important when you're running a household. And there are even teacher planners available as well. Coming into the gift giving season, I think that you should definitely check out leannebaker.com. And as I said, I do have a discount code for you today to share, which is very, very rare. Leannebaker.com do not often give out codes. So the code is KIND PARENTING, all in capitals, for 15% off the range. Check out the Space for You journals. I think they're beautiful. I think it's a great Christmas gift. Um, and yeah, I don't know, just, I think that when you have this space for your journal and you're using the prompts, you'll understand what I mean about having that gateway for different conversations, different connections that you might not think to bring up otherwise with your little ones, just because we're all in the thick of it. We're all just going through the motions. So I love, love, love this tool. That discount code is kind parenting for 15% off leannebaker.com and make sure you check out the weekly planner that is the she is the sun design that's the one that I have personally screenshot and I think is stunning okay details in the show notes discount code is live 15% off jump onto it let me tell you a little bit about Shari 
line. So this will be my second podcast recording with Shari. I've had her as a guest over on my podcast in the past and I really, really loved speaking to her. People that I know personally really sing her praises as well. So Shari is one of Australia's leading and most sought after hypnobirthing practitioners and childbirth educators. She has such a strong passion to support women and birth partners through pregnancy to help them prepare for a positive birth and in turn reduce the birth trauma that many women experience when they didn't realize that there are other options available to them. So this episode is really all about just providing you with some food for thought when it comes to questions that you may like to ask your healthcare providers or things that you just want to consider along the way. Now, I want to also make it very, very clear that our podcast episode today is not at all to take the place of medical advice and you absolutely should always, always trust your personal trusted healthcare provider. Our conversation today is just that. It's a conversation between two women and we're touching on things such as the fear of birth, subconscious beliefs, choosing a caregiver, understanding the mind-body connection, the transition into motherhood, the healthcare systems, and just your options, and also how to be your own advocate. So I really, really hope that you enjoy this conversation. I know I loved having it, and let's get stuck into it. Shari, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to have this conversation with me. Oh, of course. I love always chatting to you, especially when it comes to pregnancy and birth. I know. I just said to Shari before I hit record, I want her on the podcast every week. Like if you could just do a segment every week, that would be super. Of course. Anytime. Just clear the schedule. So today we're going to be speaking specifically about how to be your own advocate when you're pregnant or when you're preparing to go through the birth process, really. So Mm. I guess we should start with being pregnant because when you're pregnant, you can go through a whole range of emotions. For some people, it's a shock. For some people, it's elation. For other people, it's fear. For a lot of us, it's kind of a combo of everything. But with those heightened emotions and I guess sometimes feeling out of depth, you can kind of lose focus on the things that you need to ask or the things that you need to know about to really be in the driver's seat of your experience. Yeah, absolutely. And it's something that I just see and I hear every single day with the inquiries that I get from parents, from women, the the DMs I get on my Instagram that women are coming into this beautiful time in their life in such a state of fear, anxiety, and stress. And a lot of it is driven by what they have read, seen, or heard about pregnancy, birth, and parenting up until that point. I was just going to say, because there's such an influx of content and there's so many right ways and perfect ways to be pregnant and to deliver a baby, you're kind of already starting your parenting journey with this enormous amount of pressure on you, enormous amount of expectation on how this journey is going to go. 
Yeah, it's, and I'd actually speak about this right in the first session of the program, the Hypnobirthing Australia program that I teach, and understanding the conscious and subconscious mind and how the subconscious mind is like a filing cabinet, basically. Everything that we've ever read, seen, heard, experienced throughout our life is actually stored subconsciously. And a lot of parents don't realize until I actually explain this to them that we've actually been conditioned to have certain beliefs, perceptions, um, insights about birth since the time we were children. And when they, they, they kind of look at me like, what do you mean? Like, uh, you know, I haven't attended a birth. This is our first pregnancy, but it comes from what we are surrounded by. What we absorb just in the zeitgeist. Oh, absolutely. And our children will only learn within their subconscious mind till about the age of seven or eight. They cannot think rationally or analytically. So they, they're not using that rational analytical mind like we do as adults. And so what they see is what they believe and what they see is how they learn. So when I kind of give this example of to my parents of understanding of going, okay, so you have all of these fears of birth the fear of the pain, the fear of medical intervention, the fear of something going wrong. You know, I'm going to have to say it, the fear of death, you know, there is that fear that something's going to happen to us or to our baby. And I have to get them to just stop for a minute and go, where have these fears come from? Because it's not been from a past experience you've had. You've not done this before. And look, sometimes it is. I'm actually teaching a client at the moment. She's pregnant with her fifth baby. So she had twins um, first up, then she had, uh, yeah, so three other singletons. No, sorry, two other singletons. This is her fifth. And this is the first time in any of her pregnancies she's actually done any kind of birth preparation. And so when I'm working with her, she does have those past experiences that do, that she did emerge from uh a few, a couple of them quite traumatized mm. that we have to work through that because that's a past experience that is now stored subconsciously. But most of the clients I work with are first time parents and they have all of these fears. But when I actually stop and get them to understand and go, okay, well, it's not from your past experience. So where have these fears come from? And they're like, well, other people's stories, the movies, And this is where I'm like, okay, let's get into this because as a child, you've not seen birth. It's not like you read about birth as a child, really. I know my mother never spoke to me about birth as a child, but we are so conditioned with beliefs and perceptions from what we see. And a lot of that comes from how the movies, the media, TV shows betray birth. So I'm not sure if you can relate to this. I can. Absolutely. A couple of things are coming up for me. And one of them, it's like on the tip of my tongue. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to share that. Um, (laughs) But as you were speaking, I will because... YOLO. Well, we need to, you know, it's bringing it to the service <laughs> and talking through it. But YOLO. But I, I remember, I can't remember exactly how old I was, but I was young. And I mean, I must have been maybe six because I have a sister who's like five years younger than me. And I can remember my dad saying, your mum's never going to be the same again because she's had so many stitches. And like that just, he actually didn't say it that eloquently. It was really rough. It was an exchange that I remember so clearly. It was much rougher than that. But that's obviously stuck with me of like, oh, females are never the same after they give birth because then we have stitches. 
That's a perfect example. You would not have thought about that memory until I brought this up, right? No. And this is how powerful the subconscious mind is and how much is stored back there, wherever it is in that in that mind of ours, that there are triggers that can bring up things that will then bring up this perception. Yes. And, and this may have come up, and, and again, you probably may have not have thought about it until you were pregnant, and then the thought of that memory of your father saying that one sentence has then changed your perception of what birth is, is that women get stitches and will never be the same again. You're so right. I'm having all of these realizations as you're speaking. And it's the same as our childhood beliefs because, Mm -hmm. you know, when we're really little, when we're under the age of four, for example, we take these experiences that might be just pure happenstance and not actually have that much validity really, but we take them and we make them super valid because we create a belief around it. We believe it to be completely true. Mm -hmm. And it's obviously the same with birth, such as, you know, that experience I just mentioned, but like you said, with movies, if you see someone having a baby in a movie, they're screaming, they're sweaty. It's very distressing. Um, and so, yeah, you hold that, that memory. And then when you become pregnant, it's kind of like the fire hose turns on and it all just floods out. And no wonder your whole system's like, Oh, holy fuck, I can't do this. Well, exactly. Because if, when you are consistently surrounded by a particular, uh, image message, or, you know, when someone's perceiving something, then and you've never gone through that experience or had that kind of 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 um, yeah experience in your life, then that's what we draw. And this is kind of needing to understand as well how we are as humans and how we are different to all other mammals on this planet, right? Because we we have this subconscious mind, we have this neocortex as well, which is the prefrontal cortex. It is where all cognitive thinking comes from. It's thought, planning, logic, will, and awareness, right? So. We as humans tend to, we can create scenarios in our mind through thought alone before they've even happened or may not have happened, but we- We're experts at that. (laughs) And that's right there is the perfect example of that memory that has come up. You probably flashed back to that moment. You, You probably would have even, you know, you even talked about, you know, the tone, the things like that. That has come up and now it's created the the thought of the memory in the neocortex, which then stimulates our body into hormonal release, which can then be into like fight or flight through the stressor Mm. hormone or that memory could trigger feelings of from endorphins or love, you know, love and feeling good. You, You don't know until you actually have that memory and think about that. And this is why I love I love sharing this information within the hypnobirthing courses because these lessons that I actually teach are life lessons and can you can draw back into this and this realization of the power of your mind and the mind body connection and how we have been conditioned from childhood, conditioned throughout our life. We've even conditioned ourselves by creating habits of how we think. And so when women fall pregnant, then it gets really amplified because then everyone then starts to confirm what those movies are are portraying, that birth is traumatic, painful, that the drugs are good, that, you know, just go in and, you know, book in for, for that cesarean. That And then you get the stories from friends and family going, yeah, do that. 
Yeah. And don't, don't even try and have a natural birth, you know, just go for the drugs. Why would you go through birth? Why would you go through pain when you can have something that will take it away? And so then that confirms to women. But then this is kind of also something that I really found with this journey in becoming a parent because having bringing children into the world, it's a rite of passage as a woman. You know, we are never the same when when we have our our children or our baby, we will never be the same person ever again. And there is this transition from being a, you know, a woman into a mother. And I just want to help women be able to see and trust this innate intuition and instinct that is within them and to calm that neocortex and calm those thoughts and and understand that everything that they've read, seen, heard about birth, yes, that may have happened to other people, but it doesn't have to happen to you. And this is where you have the opportunity right now, mums, if you are pregnant, you have the opportunity right now, even if you've had a baby before and it didn't turn out the way you were hoping it would, it doesn't mean that this next experience has to be the same, mm. but you have to do something different. Yes. If you and keep doing the same thing over and over, sorry, it, it, you know, and expect a different outcome, like that's what Einstein says, you keep doing the same thing over and over and expect a different outcome, that's a definition of insanity. So let's try something different. Yes. And so for me, what I'm thinking as you're speaking there, Shari, is if we imagine like a whiteboard where we have all of these beliefs stored in our subconscious from childhood and also just culturally and from chats with friends and whatnot, we have all of these beliefs. It would be amazing to just be able to wipe them off the whiteboard, but that's not actually super easy. So what I think we need to do is we need to add another column to that whiteboard where we're getting information that's more accurate and pertinent to who we are and the experience we're hoping to have. And that's what I'd love to do with this conversation. So if we were speaking directly to someone who is perhaps having their first bub or perhaps one day will have their first bub, when they become pregnant, what are some things that they absolutely should be considering asking and finding out during their pregnancy? There are a lot of questions that can can be asked and, and this is something that I also love kind of saying, like you don't know what you don't know, but when you know you don't know things, that's when it can inspire you to go after and find the information because I might have said this in our last episode that we did together is that if you don't know you have options, you don't have any options. So I actually, and I love seeing, like there are women who are very organized, I'm not like I'm organized, but I, I was definitely not organized when it came to pregnancy. That's for sure. Let's just say my son was a pleasant surprise. It was not planned at all. But I have women actually contacting me who are not pregnant going, we know we want to start trying for a baby in the new year. What would you suggest we start looking into? And I'm like, yes, this is this is where I love being able to share this information because a lot of the time, by, by the time um, many clients book with me, they're already like 30 weeks pregnant. Do you, think, so, do you think that's a representation though, Shari, of people just wanting control over so many things? You know, it's like if you feel out of control during pregnancy or people that have fear about being out of control. Oh, yes. And, and the, the reason I ask the question is we have people reach out as well who will say, I'm in my early 20s, but I'm so afraid that when I have a baby, they're not going to sleep. Should I be getting the sleep program now? Should I be doing this now? And it's almost like 
it's just a control thing rather than that being on the on the front foot of being proactive. Yeah, it, uh, yes, there is def there are definitely people who are are like that and then they create anxiety once again over not feeling they can be in in control. Absolutely. Um and look, there is a difference between preparation and trying to control an outcome. Yes. Um, and I think that's really important to kind of recognize is there is, you know, as in, in pregnancy, especially in birth, and even as a parent, there's a lot that we can't control, but it's equipping yourself with um, in, information, but also some techniques and tools to be able to calm your nervous system when things don't go the way that you had, I'm doing quotations here, planned. And we, we as humans, we are, are creatures of certainty, right? We like to be certain of outcomes. When, when, when we're not certain of an outcome, we will draw on any information that we can to protect ourselves. And this is where, unfortunately, how we are as humans, we tend to always try and protect ourselves and focus on everything that could go wrong. Or what if this happens? Or what if that happens? Rather than going, well, what if everything went right? Mm. Well, we that's, our, tend- that's our negative brain bias, isn't it? Yeah. And and it's it's surrounded by us. We are, and I, look, even we as parents will do it to our children. I hate to put that on us, but we want to protect them. So if we see danger, we can perceive the danger they can't. So we will warn them, say, don't do that in case you fall off. And so that, you know, as children, we were conditioned like that to prepare for worst case scenario. Don't do that in case something dangerous will happen. You will hurt yourself. And that has become the conditioning as well for many of us that then comes into so many aspects of our life. Um, and that's why yes. it's so, it's important to recognize it. So let's get into the specifics because I really want people who are listening to this podcast to feel super informed and perhaps even be able to take a bit of, you know, some of this conversation and create a bit of a checklist, such as if they're pregnant is one of the first things they need to discuss public versus private or, you know, or even other options. Like what's the first thing or is it, okay, right to the very basics of, okay, you've just had that pregnant positive um, positive pregnancy test. <laughs> first, first step after that. Yeah, um, I think it would be sitting down and having a conversation with your partner, whoever it is that you want to support you through this journey. About like, what is it that you actually want? What kind of experience do you want to have? You need to know what you want to then be able to start searching for the people who are going to be able to support you in helping you achieve that goal, and. Just kind of come in and questioning and going, if you're going, I just want to have a cesarean. Okay, well, let's kind of just think about this and go, why have you chosen that over? I'm not saying you have to have a natural birth, but are you making, are you choosing this decision right now and saying you want to have a scheduled cesarean? Is it coming from a place of fear? What has made you consider that as a first option where is it because you don't understand your body? Okay, well, let's just kind of unpack that a little bit because this is what I'm finding too with a lot of women is they're just, I'm just going for the epidural. I'm just going for, for the cesarean. And there are there's always a time and place for medical intervention and cesarean birth. And even with education, 
many women will choose, still choose cesarean, but they're making an informed decision for that cesarean, you know, because of the safety of them and their baby. But one, what kind of experience do you want? Do you want to come out feeling really positive and connected and, and that you felt empowered? Okay, if you're putting these words down, how, what can you now do to get to that point? And yes, one of the first things that you would want to start considering and looking at if you know you want to have a baby, I'd recommend you do this before trying to fall pregnant. But if you haven't planned the pregnancy and you've just found out you're pregnant, choosing a caregiver is probably one of the most important decisions you are going to make. And this is something that I wasn't aware of because I didn't have that knowledge. And so in some ways I was just led and uh, by my GP, GP and just said, okay, well, you don't have private health, so I, I will refer you to public. I didn't realize that there were other options in the public system that were like a continuity of care model where I was able to have a known midwife, the birth center, for example. I actually always went private for everything. And so when I fell pregnant without it being planned and we hadn't, didn't have the private health for it, I went into this state of going, oh my gosh, I can't go private because I always assumed that by paying more, you will get more choice and better options because you were paying for it. But it's not always necessarily the case. And this is something that I've definitely learned over the years. So yes, putting together, I think, questions to ask and in some ways go and interview some medical caregivers Something that we're probably not used to because it's always like, okay, we get the referral and we just go to that one obstetrician or that one care provider that the GP has referred us to because we hopefully trust our GP and if they're saying, okay, this obstetrician is the best, well, we're going to go there. But we need to understand that every medical caregiver is is different in some ways. Every model of care is different in many ways. Public and private, they are very different. Midwifery-led care and just going through the public maternity is very different. So that would absolutely be one of the first things I would recommend that women partners do is sit down, and I actually have Um, which I'd be more than willing to give you a link to share. I actually have a list of questions that that women can download to be able to sit down and go, these are the kinds of questions you will want to ask or interview those medical caregivers with in saying, all right, we want to have prepare as much as we can for the most natural hands-off physiological birth. If If you interview an obstetrician, and you ask the question of saying, what's your induction rate? What's your cesarean rate? This may be hard questions to ask and they may not be expecting you to, to question them like that, but that those questions alone can give you a lot of information about the kind of care that caregiver or how that ca- caregiver likes to um, operate. Operate, yeah. Like if you have, you know, an obstetrician that's got an 80% cesarean rate and you want to have a natural vaginal birth, maybe that's not a good fit for you. And there are caregivers who have cesarean and induction rates like that. Yeah, I think that's such helpful information, Shari. Just to really focus in on going, there are more options than you might first be presented with. You know, and I can remember 
when I was pregnant at first, I thought I would just go through the public system because I didn't have private health care. But then it became, um, I don't know how it came to my attention, but I realized that I had the the choice to have, I was just trying to search, is it called intermediate when you have a private obstetrician in a public hospital? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Oh, I'm not sure about that. What if, what the, I mean, you could what? do shared care, like a shared care. There's, there was a, I feel like it maybe at the time they were calling it intermediate care, but I could be wrong. Okay. Um, I'll update it in the show notes if I, if I find <laughs> the right term, but it was really brand new at that time. And it was a private obstetrician. And he was, I was like his first person that he was doing this with where it's private obstetrician, seeing him the whole way through my pregnancy. But then the boys, for those who don't know, I have twin boys, they would technically be public patients. So it was a mixture. It was kind of like middle ground. Mm -hmm. And when we did the math on it, we realized we would only be out of pocket the same amount that we would be had we had private care anyway. So it's just actually exploring what your options are is so important. And you mentioned their birth centers, you know, that never even crossed my mind to go and look at. Yes. Yeah. And I didn't know it either until again, I had a friend mention it to me. And this is the, this is why it's really important if you to make these decisions really early on, because many of these models of care, if you don't know about them, you literally have to apply that minute that you pee on that pregnancy stick. If you've got that, that pregnancy stick and it's saying pregnant, I've, I've had women share that they have called up the birth center before their husband to tell them just to get their name on the list because they only take a certain number of women each month. So it's not available to everyone. And this is where I, I find it hard because when I do have clients that come in who've booked with me and they, I don't see them till 25, 30 weeks and they go, oh, we had no idea about that. My GP just gave me this referral to go to the public I want that's the model of care I want it can be too too late late. and then there's that disappointment um there's also private midwifery led care as well um so that's where you work with a midwife who's in uh, working under private her own private practice I didn't know anything about that you've got home birth you've got water birth you've got so looking at okay the kind of caregiver and interviewing a few or at least going and getting some information about the different obstetricians or the private hospital or even the public. Don't be scared to ask the public what their current induction rate is Um, because unfortunately here in Australia we have one of the highest induction and cesarean rates in the world. Um, Like one in three women are having a cesarean. There are many public hospitals who their induction rate is getting up to around 40-45% and if if you don't understand how the system is structured and how it works – you will basically be put on that conveyor belt and you'll be ticked through that system. They will tell you when they want to see you, what test, what scan, and you'll get to the end of that conveyor belt. And if you haven't had your baby by the you know expiry date that they have put on you, then you're going to be led into the road of, of induction, which then can 
just lead down so many more cascade of interventions and and lead to birth trauma and that's what I really want to help women to avoid is coming out of their experience and starting their 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 journey as a mother in a state of trauma because what had happened to them and they don't even know what happened to them because the system just took them on this journey without any consultation of what they wanted and the needs that they had for that experience. Yeah, and I think overwhelmingly when I'm having conversations with women, it's it's really common to have the experience of feeling like you are just a number and that that's just kind of part of the parcel, I think, of the healthcare system in a way because these people are doing this every day. They're delivering babies every day. They're caring for people. They're seeing new mums, and as much as there's great staff that care and they're super passionate about it, and I think that that's how they all start off because otherwise they wouldn't go into it. But I do think that it just pays to remember that just because there is a system and just because you feel like a number doesn't mean that you have to act like you're just a number, you still have a right to turn up to your appointment and say, actually, I have some questions. Actually, I want more information on this. And I know that there will be people listening, Shari, who struggle to speak up and ask questions. So I think having that checklist of questions, but perhaps also just knowing your own personality that if you find it hard to speak up and there are, I mean, there are people that Mm -hmm. find it hard to send back a coffee if it's the wrong coffee versus people that are, you know, the proverbial in quotes, Karens who will certainly say it's the wrong coffee. So if you know that it's your personality to struggle with speaking up, have a bit of a contingency plan and that could be having Shari's checklist printed out. It could be having your mum, your sister, your partner, whoever come along with you and say, actually, Kylie here does have more questions and let's go through them and let's get a response. And don't, yes. be, af- don't be afraid to take up time and resources to ask those questions. No. Yeah. And I say to all of my clients, prepare for each antenatal appointment. Don't just go in and go, okay, they'll check, they'll check the heartbeat, they'll do the measurements, they'll take your blood pressure. Okay, everything's good you know, we'll see you next time. Go in prepared to be exactly what you said, Kylie, in in saying, I'd like to actually sit down today and actually I have a few questions, you know, I know that you're, you know, the time is limited, but I've only just got a couple of questions. Can we just talk about what would induction look like? Why would you want to induce me? How far over my due date um, will you support me going? And this is where they can get the answers. And I, um, I, I spoke to an amazing woman uh, on on my own podcast. Her name was Binny Dansby and she said this quote and I've just had to take it because it's just so true. She said, the quality of the questions that you ask determine the quality of the answers you get. Oh, 100%. And That's in every it, area in life. Ab- exactly. So think about the kind of one experience you want to have once you've chosen the caregiver and I hope that through asking some questions right at the start and expressing to your caregiver the kind of experience you want to have, they will go, okay, yes, I can support you in that. We are very much for if you want to have a natural physiological birth, we we have a very high rate in that and we will support you in that. Or we understand that you're doing hypnobirthing or you, you're doing, you know, some classes. We will support you in those techniques, absolutely. So then once you've you've confirmed, okay, I'm going to feel supported in the kind of experience I want, 
that's where making sure you are educated to know all of your options is really important. And that would be my next recommendation, obviously, would to do some kind of childbirth, independent childbirth education program. This is why I need to kind of emphasize independent because the antenatal classes at the hospital are great, but they will only share information with you within the box that they want to contain you in. And I want to be able to share information with you that gives you all of the options, even that are outside that box, because that's when you can go, okay, well, can we push this box and make this box a little bit bigger for us? Because this is our experience. Mm, Absolutely. And so when someone is in that stage of, okay, they've had the positive pregnancy test, they've thought about the experience that they would like to have. They've chosen a caregiver. They've interviewed, they've explored, they've taken their checklist. They have their support, asking all the questions, then looking at doing some independent birth training. Mm -hmm. Is that when it would be an appropriate time to start crafting a birth plan? Are you pro birth plan or are you, you where do you sit? Yeah, I don't like to call it a birth plan. I think once again, this is where coming back to to women wanting to control the outcome. Yes, can I'll have this, please. To, <laughs> yeah, can then lead to disappointment. So, I I worked with and did a workshop with a woman, and please go and look her up, mums. Her name's Catherine Bell, and she she calls herself the birth cartographer, and she talks about it as birth mapping. So. What I love to help women and and partners do is to map out and understand the different journeys and what those journeys could look like. Ultimately, the destination is that they come out of their birth and their experience feeling positive and that they were empowered and made informed decisions. And you can have a positive, empowered cesarean birth. You can have a positive, empowered induction birth. You can have a positive, empowered birth with an epidural. So that's why making sure that if you're going to choose um, a child with education program, that they're going to talk you through all possible journeys. And that's exactly what the Hypnobirthing Australia program does. We talk about natural physiological birth. I give all techniques and especially to birth partners. And this is where you said, like, if you know that you are someone that you don't like to speak up, you don't feel comfortable or you feel, um, uh, like you're you're being difficult if you ask questions, then this is why having your partner, your mother, your friend, whoever's going to be supporting you in that birth present with you at the course so they are also learning all of the options so that they can be your voice when maybe you can't speak up for yourself. But I go through in depth now. I never used to go into as much depth as I do now, but I feel it's really important that women understand induction, what's involved in an induction, when it is needed for medical reason compared to maybe when it's just more of a, well, we just want to get you through um, and we can control an induction. We can't control when you go into labor with a physiological birth for them to be able to play out that intervention. And it can be minimal intervention to, you know, the max intervention for an induction, but understanding what that can look like and how they can help themselves through that. And same with cesarean birth. I talk about cesarean. I show techniques to partners that partners can do during a cesarean birth, that they can have preferences and have requests and things like that as well. So we're mapping it out. It's not just like, 
I don't want any of my parents walking out of my course going feeling and putting an expectation on themselves that they have to have a natural drug-free water birth and that they're going to go into this, you know, meditative Zen state. That's not what hypnobirthing is about. Um, yeah, I've got women who roar through their births, who use movement, who who dance through labor. Like it's not hypnobirthing is not just about that meditation, right? So, um, yeah, and doing being able to do that through whatever journey their birthing may take. I think that terminology is so powerful, birth mapping versus birth plan, because you're right. A birth plan is like, okay, we have this document here. It's a binding document. This is the plan. These are the steps we're going to take. And anything that goes left or right of this will then potentially feel like a failure. Whereas birth mapping just straight away, and I'm a super visual person. So straight away, I start seeing like more like constellation type mapping of here's one path, here's another path. And I wish, like I, I wish that I had you in my life when I was pregnant and I had all of this awareness because I think it would have really, really helped me not have the experience I had because I had a massive panic attack during my cesarean. And I mean, I can go into that another time, but just the whole the whole terminology of birth mapping, I think that's brilliant because it allows people to know there's so many different ways it could go. Any way it goes is just the way it happens for you and you can have an empowered experience. Now, you've mentioned induction a few times. I know very little about inductions other than I have seen people close to me experience inductions and I will say someone very close to me had an induction and it was so traumatic for her and so traumatic for everyone, obviously first and foremost for her and her partner, but just for us on the outside, it was so full on to kind of witness this. Can you talk a little bit about why inductions um, might get rushed and what some of the, you know, some of the, I guess, I don't want to say side effects, but some of the things that can happen? Yeah, I there is not enough being talked about about what is involved in an induction and that's why I I I I spend a good chunk of time within my courses now explaining that because you know, western medicine does save lives. There there is a time and place for it, but it has become such a normal part of our birth culture that induction and intervention is more normal than physiological birth here in Australia. You know, when I remember when I was saying to friends, oh, you know, I want to have a natural birth, like you looked at as crazy if you want to have do something that your body has been designed to do naturally. When if I was to say, yeah, I'm booked in for my induction or I'm going to get an epidural, then people wouldn't you know, blink at that, you know, that's normal. Um, So it's really important to understand induction of labor does not involve all the, all the hormones that we are designed to release for physiological birth. So it's a very different kettle of fish and it actually inhibits the natural hormones of birth. So therefore it is more intense because it isn't natural. um, And it can lead into further interventions if you are unaware of the effects of certain inductions, um, because there's a process with an induction. You don't you, induction of labour can take days, and a lot of women I don't think realise it. They just think, oh, you know, I'm 41 weeks. Yep, I'm going in for my induction. I'm going to have my baby. 
by the morning or the, you know, if they go in that evening. And it, it's not necessarily like that because it really depends on where your body is at hormonally and if your body was even almost ready for birth as to what that outcome could turn out like. Because if your body, if you're being induced quite early, 39, you know, 37, 38, 39 weeks, um, and if it's for a medical reason, then that is where it is valid, okay? But there's a lot of intervention happening in birth for variations in pregnancy rather than just for a complication, okay? So there's a lot of complications that can arise in pregnancy um, that where it doesn't where if if it doesn't warrant, sorry, I'm trying to say is that there are a lot of interventions that happen for like an in-case-of model of care instead of because-of model of care, right? So certain complications that can either happen due, during pregnancy are things like preeclampsia, hypertension, cholestasis, you know, restricted fetal growth. Um, those are uh, valid medical reasons where there's something not working properly within the woman's body that it makes it not safe for her or for her baby to continue the pregnancy. Well, of course, there are going to be times, and absolutely, you know this more than anyone, where it simply is you have to weigh up the medical risk versus your own personal choice. Well, and I think, and this is this is where the education comes in, and what a lot about what I want to help do is to help couples understand their options, but it's also about risk assessment, and everyone assesses risk differently. But you can't assess risk if you don't have all of the information about both. What if we were to wait? What are and this is why we we call this the brain technique. Um, and these are the, another set of questions that women can ask. Is brain stands for asking these questions in the sequence of going, okay, what are the benefits of what they're suggesting? What are the benefits of inducing the labour? What are the benefits of the epidural? What are the benefits of the vaginal examination? Because a lot of women don't realize vaginal examinations are also intervention. It's just become such a normal part of a routine practice. Um, what are the risks? And let's really sit down and go, okay, what are the risks of, is this a medical reason that you're, you're recommending induction? Is this a complication in the pregnancy or is this a variation? So a variation is where mother and baby are healthy and well, but some variations could lead to particular or to higher complications. So for example, you're, you know, having twins, that that is a variation in pregnancy. Your baby's healthy and well, you are healthy and well, but having twins then increases particular risks of other complications. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes total um, sense. So asking what are the benefits, what are the risks, but then you also need to look at what are the risks of the induction itself and this is what is not being spoken about. What are the risks if we induce the labour? What are the risks if my body's not hormonally ready yet? Will my body respond to the intervention? Because if your body then doesn't respond to the intervention, what can then happen to, to baby? Well, one, one of the biggest risks of induction of labour where they use a synthetic hormone called syntocin is the risk of fetal distress. It can, it can cause your baby to go into distress because the contraction pattern can become too strong, too intense, last too long without enough gap and recovery because it's not a natural hormonal release. It's, it's a 
it's a synthetic hormone it's manufactured that is, is continually dripped into the body. So therefore, the body cannot respond to what your baby needs and you need to adapt the contraction pattern. So this is why induction of labor with syntocinin from the, the studies I've looked at, and I'm very much about sharing evidence-based information, can increase your risk of cesarean from 12.6% to 26%. So this is why it's important to go through, okay, what are the benefits? What are the risks? What are the risks on both sides? What are the risks of the induction? What are the risks of the complication or variation? Is there an alternative? So that's A in the brain technique. What alternatives do we have? Can we just maybe um, come up for more continual monitoring? If I'm over 41 weeks, my baby, you're saying my baby's healthy and well, I'm healthy and well. So if I'm healthy and well, is that a medical reason to warrant an induction? No, that's what the risk assessment that they can come up with. Well, let's just maybe go, okay, well, let's come up to the hospital and do some more monitoring because we want to make sure our baby's safe. No woman wants to put their baby or them at risk. But this is unfortunately where the system can really project more fear onto women through fear-based sentences or things like that that can then alter that risk assessment. Does that make sense? Like, and this is happening every single day. So you need to come at it and go, and that's why it's important to have your partner there so that they can pick up that if your caregiver says, well, if you don't induce this labor, then your risk of X, Y, Z doubles. Yeah. But what is the actual risk? Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like, because they, we can have things said to us like your your risk of infection now doubles, and we we can how we perceive that mm. can be very different. Like, well, but that's why you need to then ask the specific questions of going. Well, what was the actual risk to start off with? Yeah, zero point two percent. So now my risk has doubled to zero point four percent. That's still very statistically low. Yes, you're so um, so right there. It's almost, I don't want to say scaremongering tactics, but it's just, you know, it's, it's when people talk language. Yeah, it's and it's when people language. When yeah. people talk past you, you know, it's that sort of thing. It's like, oh, I know that this will push them along to the result that I want to get. And it's mm. not necessarily done in a malicious way, but it's just like a systematic way of, oh yeah, here, here's the intel that we have that will ensure that we move you along in this way. But actually stopping and saying, yeah, okay, cool. You've said that my risk now doubles. What was it to begin with? I, you know what? I would not think to ask that question, Shari. Like, so that's such helpful information. And many, many parents don't because it, we have been conditioned in many ways in our Western culture not to question medical caregivers. Just do as you're told. And I'm not saying to not hear medical caregivers at all, right? We want to get as much information that we can. So that's why coming back to the quality of the questions you ask, determine the quality of the answers that you get. So then you can go away and assess the risk because you've asked all of the questions and then that's you making an informed decision. And in some ways, what I love seeing is that the parents who who really you know do come into my classes and really take on everything that I'm giving them what they're doing is in some ways taking back responsibility for their experience not handing themselves over because if you give responsibility to someone else they will take it and they will want to control your outcome to what they feel safe 
because they're yeah. also doing their own risk assessment because they don't want anything to happen to you and they don't want anything to um, be responsible. They want to be responsible if something were to happen to you or to your baby. So they're going to offer and take that control on where they feel safe. And they can control an induction. They can control a cesarean because the outcome for them is as long as your baby is alive, healthy and well, that's all that matters, which that is our goal too. But you mums, you need to emerge from your birth physically healthy and mentally well. You have to parent that baby. And if you come out of your experience feeling traumatized because you feel things have just happened to you and done to you without your consultation or without your consideration, it's that's the start of your parenting journey. Yeah. And I think a lot of that, Shari, goes back to what we were saying earlier in our conversation where there is a system and there are experts who are doing this, you know, umpteen amount of times a day or whatever it is, but this is your experience. So yes. taking ownership, taking responsibility, which takes us to I, I in the brain. What's is, what's the next one? That's trusting your instinct. Instinct. And I, I think a lot of women have lost this connection with the internal instinctual motherly voice that is in there. It is in there. And you know what feels best for you. And this is on both ends. You know, I'm not just talking about induction. Like I've had women go, I feel something's not right. And they've gone up and just been told, no, everything's fine, go home. And then it's just been innate in them. Something doesn't feel right. So again, trust that. And I think that's where it's really hard when you've got so much outside noise projecting onto you, you know, to fear-based comments and things like that, that it can be very easily led into making that decision of based off fear. But when we can just quieten that down a little bit, come and sit within ourselves and sit within what feels right for you, that's what's what's really important. And just as an example of this, I had a mum last week actually that I spoke to. She did the course with me. Her baby was breech and she was doing everything I suggested, very gentle, you know, positioning and seeing a Cairo and all of that kind of stuff to give the baby the space to to turn, but this baby wouldn't turn. And when I spoke to her and I, I share this in my course, we also need to trust our babies, know the safest way out. And she was feeling into it and she's like, look, they've offered me an ECV. So this is where they can try and manually, the obstetrician can try and manually gently turn the baby. And she's just like, I just, I don't feel comfortable with that. And I just feel that maybe this baby is safest to be born by a cesarean. And I'm like, and I just just reassured her and said, trust that, trust that innate instinct because it is always right. And she's like, I'm okay if I need a cesarean, if it means the safety of my baby, because we've done all of this preparation, I'm feeling like we can have a really beautiful cesarean birth. And I'm like, go for it, you know, and that's what matters. And that instinct is a big one that is being silenced, I think, because of all the outside noise. And look, to end that brain technique is the letter N. What if you do nothing? You know, what if you just, and this is where it can be very hard for women in those last few weeks because we want to control, we want to, you know, we want to control the outcomes, but it's about surrendering and trusting, you know, your body has grown this beautiful baby for nine months. Do you think if your body could grow your baby that then all of a sudden it couldn't birth your baby? And that's why you got to come in and do a bit of a surrender 
What if you do nothing and just wait? And your body will decide the date that is right for you and for your baby. And I can't help but just sort of want to add to the end of that. The nothing is please just have like medical clearance, I guess, to make sure that you're safe. Like I'm just, I would hate Shari for someone to listen to this and be oh, like, oh, now I do nothing. Like the, the, there's like part of me that's like, oh my gosh, we have to make it really, really clear for people listening. We're not saying disregard no, no, no. medical advice. We're saying that if bub is well and mum is well, and an alternative is to just wait it out. Well, Yes. To a certain extent, obviously, like yes, uh, yeah. when when it's safe, and that and that's the thing. Anything I share should never be taken as medical advice. This is to hopefully what I'm hoping with your listeners is to stimulate those questions and get them questioning and get them going. I never thought about it in that way, just like you did in going. I never thought about kind of questioning. Like if I heard a sentence like that, it's just about questioning, and that's where. The questioning will help you to feel empowered to make an informed decision working with your medical caregivers and that's very much something I advocate for as well is it's about you being the driver of your experience, not a passenger and the only way you can do that is to work with the professionals and get their insight as well. Yeah, and that that's the thing. It's kind of like, well, if baby's safe, mother is safe, there is a certain extent, obviously, where where you wouldn't want to push it, mm-hmm. but it, it comes down to every individual circumstance and the risk assessment for you and being able to, you know, and I think what one one thing too is, and I've actually had medical caregivers DM me who work at the hospital where I, I offer classes and they've actually, I've had one said say to me, Shari, thank you so much for the information you share because the, your parents that come in, they really love the fact that they're asking the questions because the, the you know the caregivers also work within the system and have to make certain recommendations based on you know the hospital policies but when they have they say well, when we have a couple come in and they know about their body they know how to help themselves the partners know how to support they're asking these questions it takes that responsibility off the caregivers because the caregivers are able to have really good conversations with them and the parents can stand in that power of making that informed decision that's right for them. Yes. And it's not an us versus them mentality. It's okay, we're all trying to do the best we can from our, you know, respective sides. And I know people that have personally gone through your courses, someone who's very close to me who went through your course to have her little boy, and she just sung your praises so, so highly. And so did her partner. So I'm grateful for the work that you're doing in this world. I'm grateful for this conversation. There are so many different um, topics we could speak about, and I would love to have you back anytime you've got space. But where can our listeners connect more with you? Where should people head? Well, I I mean, I offer a whole range of different um, course options from face-to-face classes on the Gold Coast um, to live online courses. Since the world we live in now, it has actually opened me up massively to work with more women all around the world, which I'm loving. So I do offer live Zoom um, classes. And I also have my own introduction to childbirth online course. It's just a very basic introduction to the information um, really that I share. But um, you, they can find me at my website, which is bellytobirth.com.au. And just to note, it's a number two, not 
T-O, belly, the number two birth. And you can also find me on Instagram at, at belly to birth. And I share a lot of content through my Instagram and just thoughts and things like that. And be able to connect with, um, yeah, with more, more of you. And I'm always open, like ask me the questions I can give, I can at least give you some links or, or something, but yeah, I'll definitely give you a link to, uh, to anyone that wants to download the questions to ask caregivers. Um, and I've also, I've also actually got, if you do jump on my website, you'll see a little pop-up of a free webinar that they can also, if anyone's considering being pregnant, it's a free webinar of pretty much an extended version of what we've just spoken about. That is amazing. Thank you so much for being so generous in sharing those resources. I will have your website, that link to download, and also your Instagram handle in our show notes for easy access. And again, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Thanks for joining me and listening to this week's episode of the podcast. If you've enjoyed this content and are looking to dive deeper into the support that the Kind Parenting Company offers parents and caregivers, you will love the range of programs we have available. The range includes online programs for supporting baby and toddler sleep, most suitable for babies aged 0 to 24 months, and also Toddler Life, which is a guide for those raising children aged 2 to 4 years. Each program comes with access to video and audio files, as well as the opportunity to join the community forums. Podcast listeners receive 20% off all programs. Simply visit the Kind Parenting Company website and use the code KPCPODCAST20, that's KPCPODCAST20, at checkout. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.